episode 49 of the Something's Off podcast. Hey, everybody. I am Alex DeWitt. I am your host. I've never opened the podcast like this before. I've, uh, I usually just go into talking, but uh, <laughs> I am the one and only person uh, on this podcast, and I'm going to try to make it a short one. I know it, it, it rarely is as short as I want it to be, but I'm, gonna, I'm, re- I'm really going to try because I don't have a ton of patience tonight. Uh, I crack myself up. Uh, I'm, I'm really the only person that I've made laugh today. Uh, guys, I just bombed on stage. It was miserable. Uh, it's uh, not even two hours ago, the show was. Uh, I, ju- I just got home. Just walked through the door a second ago, and I had to do this recording. But the I, I yeah, I don't know. It's fresh. The wound is still open. And boy, is it bleeding. That was a painful seven, eight minutes of me just doing punchline after punchline of material that I'm, I thought I'd honed, that I thought was funny, that's gotten laughs in the past, and it just dropped off the edge of a cliff. Oh, man. Every, every now and then you have a moment, you have a set on stage as a comic where you're just humbled. You, you just, it's like a smack in the face. If, if, if a, a group of people could collectively smack you in the face with their facial expressions, not even with their hands, just with the, the, the death stare that they're giving you from their, their, the booth that they're sitting in. And it was, it was disheartening because the room that I did a set in tonight, it usually has a crowd. It usually has an audience of, of younger people mostly that are there to pay to see comedy. They're there to, to, to eat buffalo wings have a couple beers, go home with the buffalo sauce still on their face, right? If it's an older guy, he goes to bed, not washing it off. He doesn't even realize it's on his face. His wife wakes up in the morning. He see, she sees the red buffalo on his face, thinks he got into a bar fight, thinks he got a beer bottle across the face, and she freaks out on him. Harold, you said that you weren't going to get into any more trouble over at the pub. You said... I can't I can't afford both emotionally and financially to keep bailing you out of jail. I don't want to have to keep fucking the police chief in order to get the officers to just bring you home after the fight and not into a jail cell. No, but I uh I did that that was not the material that I did tonight. Don't worry. I <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, I, there's some nights where you just wish the mic had a, had a pointy sharp edge. So if you bombed, that's just going right into your throat. Yeah, it was, it was rough, but, uh, I, yeah, that show, it normally has an audience of, like I said, younger people. There's some older people kind of, they're by the bar. They always sit by the wood. That's what we always would call it. If you've worked in a kitchen, you probably heard that expression before. The the bar was called the wood. Like I don't know if you work at like some dive fucking sports bar. That's that's what it's called. But uh, it, it's normally young college kids from like York University. It was in Richmond Hill, and they're normally there to fucking laugh and have a great time. And it, it's always weird seeing college kids out of their natural habitat when they're just in the world and they're all together and they want to enjoy a show somewhere at a bar that's off campus that 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 woke facade that they put on in the class it it comes right off it's like fucking makeup that they washed off in the sink they uh they they just they're they're open their guard is down and they're there to have fun 
And that's always something that kind of makes me happy as a performer, right? Because a lot of them are drunk and they're kind of loose and they're, you know, they're not thinking too hard, right, about some of the bullshit that I'm spewing. But yeah, no, it was rough. And it's, it doesn't matter how many good sets I have. I, I, it was nights like tonight that remind me that I have work to do as, as a comic, as somebody who actually wants to do it for a living, who's been doing it for a while. There, it was a night like this that just reminded me. It just kind of shook me and said, look, you know, don't flatter yourself, rookie. And I've been doing it for almost a decade. Yeah, you, you just, it, it's one of those things, like, it doesn't matter how many times, like, how many sets in a row you do, you, you, you hit, right? It doesn't matter how many sets, good sets that you have in a row. It All it takes is one bomb for you to just fall. It's, it's like one of those, it's like a baby antelope that was just born yesterday, and it's trying to, it's trying to stand up, and it's trying to stand, it's trying, you know, like, and it, it gets, it gets higher and higher up, and it's almost there, it's almost about to walk, and then, boom, it collapses. That's what I felt like tonight. That's what I've, I'm the baby antelope of comedy. Oh, man. Yeah. It was a weird time. There was nobody in there tonight. I'm pretty sure it was because of these. People, I guess, are spooked because of the vaccine passports. And I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be rough, man. We're day three in Ontario of these vaccine passport mandates. And uh, it's 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 getting tense out there. It's been tense the last eighteen months. Uh, some would argue it's been tense the last what five years. But walking into that place and just feeling like the people that were in there, because I did have to show my vaccine receipt to this person. They didn't even have the stand. They didn't even have like a scanner or anything like that. Like they said that they would be having. It's just somebody who looks at your receipt. It's just some lady who's underpaid. Looking at your receipt and going, okay, I see that you've had the second dose. Uh, I need your name and then your phone number. And she writes it down on a little uh, whatever notepad, like one of those little books that you buy from the dollar store. And that that's that's her reference there. And it's it's super weird. Like people, I I I foresee some real shit going down at these restaurants, right? Like people really freaking out. There's going to be disgruntled customers. And employees. I, I see people walking off the job because they've had enough of people complaining. And it it is going to be a super weird, like it's it's something that's supposed to help small businesses especially or any business. But it I, I feel like this thing is going to hinder people in, in a big way. It's, it's really going to hurt small businesses because so many people are just going to be losing their patience, both behind and in front of the counter. So that's my little take, folks. Uh, I feel like the vaccine, I, I, I almost feel like the vaccine passport, people would like it a lot more. It would be more appealing if you could stamp it like an actual passport. That way you could show off to people all the fancy places that you've been to, all the fancy restaurants that you've been frequenting, your, lo- your, your favorite haunts, if you will. And you can get laid that way. You can just walk up to a chick, make conversation, and just open up your vaccine passport. And you're just like, hey, you know, I I have been to Eastside Mario's four times this summer. Uh, I do visit Jack Astor's uh, three times a year, usually. 
Yes, yes. Uh, my family owns a booth in the corner. Great view. Great view of the stage. For only $8, you can watch a Neil Young cover band, and they're killing it. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a man of great wealth and privilege. God, that bomb really, really irked me tonight. And I don't know what it was. I was just standing there. And there, there's something about, there's something about, like, I knew that I was not going to do well because I was around comics. A lot of them had heard some of the shit that I was, I was trying to switch it up a little bit because there were a few unfamiliar faces in the crowd. But generally, just, it was just a couple of laughs and mostly silence. And there's something about something, even when, and it sounds weird, but there's nothing more discouraging as a comic than bombing in front of a group of people you know you're going to bomb in front of. And I know that sounds confusing. You you should expect to bomb and just walk into it and kind of, you know, metaphorically set yourself on fire. But... There, there was just something about it. it was like a mixture. Every that that just sound of silence. Every time, it just it it was just a mixture of I I hate this right now, and also this is not what I want for my life. You know, it it's 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 a confluence of different feelings. I don't know if I really explained myself adequately, but I digress. Yeah, it was a it was a long bus and then two subway ride home. I was listening to nothing but DMX, where to hood at, the whole goddamn ride. And uh, that that's what I'm doing now. I'm actually because I I do miss DMX and I've been listening to a lot more of his music in the last month. I am now judging people based on whether or not I think DMX would like them. Right. So if I see a guy in the street, if I walk past him and he's yelling hysterically at himself and he's kind of having a little bit of a breakdown, I'll go, yeah, DMX wouldn't let DMX could do that better. He would out yell you and growl you in two seconds flat, sir. Anybody, anybody that I just meet talking and I just get a look at their, I almost size them up this way. I just look at them and go, yeah, no, he would, uh, where to hood at was about you, sir. Oh, man. And DMX, by the way, would hate me. He would hate me. I'd, I'd be walking through his neighborhood, and he would see me and go, I'm not even, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna hit you. I'm not even gonna do, I'm, I'm, ju I'm just gonna let you wallow in your self-pity, you white suburban freak. Oh, yeah, that was a long, that was a long time on the road. That was a long time on the road. And, uh, Oh god, fifteen minutes. Oh man, there, there's nights like that where I kind of do. It it makes me wish that I was back, or not wish, but it like it makes me think. What would my life be by now if I'd stayed at my father's warehouse? What what would my life be like if I had just stuck in the warehouse, stayed on the forklift? Stayed offloading those trucks and then loading them back up again and shipping, receiving and doing the whole cycle and getting heckled by truck mechanics and machine mechanics and all. The, and, you know, guys with wrenches, intimidating folks. I, I sometimes wonder what I would have what I'd be like at 30 if I'd stayed there, because it's been it's been almost it's been four and a half years, just about since I left that place. That was weird, man. That was a fucking weird time. 
And it's moments like I feel like I'm going to start reminiscing now. Just the people, the characters that you would meet, and it just it reminded you, just oh yeah, there's there's people who grew up differently than you. There's people who grew up in a different environment. It led them on a trajectory down a different path to a different career. They don't give a shit about your dreams of going up on stage and talking about your dick. They just, they, it's life in a truck. It's life in a, like, some of the, the, the tow truck guys that I would meet, those guys were insane. Those guys were insane. And not a lot of people know about it. And it's something that should, they, I feel like they should do. They've done weird television specials about them, like news specials, like half hour specials where a reporter will dig in and they'll go behind the scenes. They'll go onto the front lines and they'll interview some of these guys. And it's a wild ride, man. Those guys, pe- people don't realize that there is almost a civil war going on between tow truck companies and it's been going on for decades. Like they are, it's the wild, wild west. Some of these companies will set each other's uh, buildings on fire, their lots on fire. They will blow up their trucks. It's a whole fucking racket. And it's wild. Sons of Anarchy kind of touched on it because they're bikers who also, I think, have a towing company. But it, it, it never emphasized. It never focused on that. It focused more on the biking shit and the tattoos and, you know, blow torches, guns, whatever. But yeah, some of the tow truck drivers, I'll never forget. I was a month in, I'm 23 years old. I was a month in working for my dad and I would have to go drive this cube van around. It, it, it was five times bigger than any car I had ever driven at that point. And I was making one final delivery for the day before heading home. So I make the delivery guy with a forklift offloads my van and I'm, I'm trying to race back to the the yard back to work to, you know, drop the van off and then drive home. And I'm going through a light. I'm going at a reasonable speed. I was racing only in my fucking head, people. I was, uh, I, I'm, I'm really not that courageous on the road. But I go through a green. It's my green. And I'm in the right lane. As I'm going through the green, there's a guy in the adjacent lane who's trying to turn right on a red. And he starts turning and turning and turning. And I see him turn and I try to make it around him, but it's too late. He fucking hits me right in the back corner of the van. And his whole front end, both of his lights are out. And uh, we pull over to the side and I'm rattled at this point. I never had someone hit me. This is my first accident outside of maybe a fender bender, me backing out when I first started uh, driving. That was it. And we pull over. I get out. And it's a guy, he doesn't, he has an accent. I don't know what, where he was from. I couldn't make it out, but he was like Eastern European or something like that. And he just, he, he doesn't know what he said. He doesn't speak English and, or either that, or he just went like, you know, no hable, whatever at, at that moment. Cause he, he didn't want to deal with me, but I was, I was annoyed, right? His lights are out. My back end is okay. There's kind of a like a little bit of a bump, but the the things like it's a fucking tank. I'm driving the Titanic down a road, and out of nowhere, we're there for a minute. Within out of nowhere, this tow truck guy just comes out of no like just he's like a like he just appears like he's he's magic. These guys, and the guy wants to take my van. The tow truck guy wants to take my fucking van away. 
And I'm like, well, no, 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 focus on this guy's car. His lights are out. And he's like, no, man, no. Like, and he's got that, like, that rough Toronto sort of slant. Like, yo, bro, no, you don't want to do that, man. You don't want to do that. Yo, you don't know what this thing, the, the engine's probably like. The, the engine in these vans, like, the thing looks like a fucking fridge, but it's really not. It's really fragile. And you're going to want me to uh, chain that up and then bring it over to the shop, bro. Bro, he, he called me bro like, like we'd known each other. Like I was on his fucking hockey team as a kid. And I'm like, I finally, I just refused. I'm like, no, dude, you're not doing that. I can drive it. I'm, I'm, I'm 10 minutes away from my work. I'm going to drop it off there and we'll fix it. I'm like, maybe I should get the cops down here and file a report. And he's like, no, 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 you don't want to do that, bro. No, no, no. Cause they're going to keep you here for a long time. And if they, if they, uh, if they decide that you're at fault, uh, you, then they're going to charge you. And then they, they look over at the guy who hit me and he's like, no, or if they decide that you're at fault, they're going to charge you, bro. And. It was just a whole kind of back and forth for five minutes between me and this guy. And I, I just flat out refused for him to take my bag. Like, I didn't let him. And he just gets in the car and rides away. He leaves this guy. Both of his front lights are out. He leaves that guy's car. And uh, I remember we kind of exchanged information. I took a picture of his, whatever, his license plate. And then I went in and filed a report the next day. But that was that was my creepy moment uh, with... The tow truck people. Uh, I remember when I was at the desk the next day, uh, the cop asked me, he's like, did uh, any, like a squad car show up? And I go, no, no, there was, but a really creepy tow truck guy, really sketchy tow truck guy came and he he tried to, you know, kind of like he was talking and the guy starts laughing and I'm like, well, what's so funny? And he's like, let me guess. He tried to take the van. I go, yeah. How'd you know? He's like, well, uh, we, we just know that's, that's their formula. Uh, let's just say you were smart not to let him take it. And I go, well, why? And he's like, well, they would have charged you a shit ton to get it back or you wouldn't have seen it again. And I'm like, well, what do you mean I wouldn't have seen it? Isn't it your job to make sure that that doesn't happen to preclude people from doing such things? Oh, man. Sums up podcast. Don't forget to follow on Instagram. Get me on TikTok. Uh, follow on Spotify. There it is.